Hey guys, Matt here with episode 49 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. I hope everyone is doing fantastic this week. Happy Monday. I hope the rest of the week goes great for you. So this episode is brought to you by our good friends at Nata Tattoo. They are a certified all-natural, all-vegan, and all-organic tattoo care brand. Their renowned tattoo care kit covers all steps from how to treat and protect your fresh tattoos to how to keep them healthy and looking great, even when they're fully healed. We actually met these guys um, down at the uh, Health Expo East, which was taking place in Baltimore, our hometown, a few months back. And currently, right now, today, they're um, in uh, on the West Coast at the uh, Expo West, meeting hopefully a lot of good people there as well. Uh, they really stood out to us because they are a family-owned company. We met the owner, Christy, who is the mom of all moms. She is the matriarch of all matriarchs who created the brand uh, with her children in mind. She wanted to create products that was going to be uh, that were going to be really healthy for her kids' sensitive skin. So she started with soaps and lotions and things like that, and then eventually graduated to tattoo care. Uh, because her kids started getting older, they started getting tattoos and with sensitive skin, she wanted to make sure that she was protecting them. So in true mom form, she went above and beyond and created Nata Tattoo. The lovely folks over at Nata Tattoo have also provided us with a discount code for all of you listeners out there. If you're interested in any of their moisturizers, products, tattoo care uh, stuff, or if you even are interested in getting the whole tattoo care kit, you can get everything on their site right now for 25% off. If you use the code in all caps, all one word, chocolate 25, that's C-H-O-C-O-L-A-T-E and the numbers two five, all caps again, at natatattoo.com. That's N-A-T-A-T-A-2, the number two, dot com. And again, use the code chocolate 25 at checkout. So now on to episode 49. Episode 49 is a special one for me because it features a guest who I have seen grow from a kind of, you know, scared, anxious kid, sorry Joe, I hope you don't say it the wrong way, into an extremely motivated, extremely well-rounded, extremely well-educated and bright-eyed, bushy-tailed young man who is now very, very impressive and who I actually am working with on a number of different projects including this podcast. Our guest this week is my former student. Maybe he's still he might consider himself my student still, but I call him a former student because now he is a very good friend and as I said, uh, someone who works with me quite often. His name is Joe Hamilton. Uh, he is a nice young British lad from Bath, England. And Joe, uh, again, as I said, has impressed me over the years. We first met in Bristol in the United Kingdom. He came out to one of my band's shows for a drum lesson and we uh, we kind of kicked off our relationship then as teacher-student um, and then we worked together for many years over video chat with my company Band Happy. We taught I taught him lessons, drum lessons and did coaching with him back and forth and then over time um, he just sort of started getting more involved with other projects that I was working on. So he uh, has helped out with Get Good Drums, uh, you you know, not only with um, some of the stuff online, but specifically, um, you know, 
literally driving me and Nolly and our gear back and forth from studio to studio and studio to home. He has showed up for sessions and helped to get the drums set up, to get the drums tuned and sounding good. Um, I mean, he's done everything. And now, as I said, he's working on a number of different projects. He's editing video for us um, over at the Punk Rock NBA. He is doing all of the mixing and sound and actually wrote the music for the Chocolate Croissant Podcast intro and outro. Um, He is a talented musician. He is working now himself as a producer with a bunch of different bands and just is really expanding um, his abilities, spreading his wings and figuring out uh, what kind of professional he's going to be. But man, as I said, I'm really impressed with Joe because he is just battling and overcoming so much in his life. And I've watched him do it year after year. Um, and where he is now is just such a, such a far place from where he was when we first met. So Joe, I know you're listening to this cause you're going to edit this, uh, this intro here. So kudos to you, my man, I have nothing but warm thoughts, warm feelings for you at all times. And I am very proud that we were able to get you on the podcast this week. I think that the conversation we had was extremely beneficial, not only to Jordan and Justin get to get to know you better, but our listeners, those of you listening right now, I really hope that you take uh, take a lot away from this episode because, again, Joe is just like any one of us. You know, he had his own doubts, own fears, own problems, and this kid has tackled them head on. And again, I've watched him overcome one thing after the other to become quite a, as I said, well-rounded individual, someone who I really respect and someone who I'm very proud to call a friend. So, Joe, this one's for you. This one is you. And for all of you listeners out there, I really hope you enjoy episode 49. As a very, very last uh, thing I want to mention, I am using Rode microphones. I'm using the NT-USB. Rode Microphones has provided all of the equipment that we could ever need to bring this podcast to you. They've given us all sorts of microphones. They've given us all sorts of support. So if you are familiar with Rode or not familiar with Rode and you're recording doing any kind of recording, whether it's on your phone, whether it's in a studio, whether it's like this for a podcast, check out roadmic.com. It's R-O-D-E-M-I-C.com. You will hear Joe mention this again in the outro of this episode. Um, It's actually a really good outro, so uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. I know I've been rambling and singing Joe's praises, but I really just can't say enough about this kid. Here you go, guys. Episode 49. Enjoy the chocolate croissants. See ya. What episode is this? 49. 49. Joe knows. 49. I'm pissed you didn't do me for 50, man. Um, and, you know, it's just a number. It's not. It's half of 100. You know, te- technically, though, this might be... This might actually be 50, technically, because we yep. the one with Jeff Holcomb was a separate episode that didn't have a number to the it. satellite one? So, technically... And your introduction. Right. Well, yeah. That, so there's, there are 50... Audio tracks uploaded currently on Podbean. So this is 51. If you go off, but that, that doesn't make sense because there's the intro and then the satellite episode, right? So well, the then, intro is not an episode. The intro is just an intro. No, but it was something that was. So if you take out the intro and the satellite, this is 49. 
No, but the satellite counts because it's a full-length episode that was like two hours long. So then this is 48, or this is now 49. Oh, no, this my, is 50. Let's just start over. Okay. It's fine. We'll cut all this. Joe looks confused. No, I'm saying start over the podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. Number one. We're almost at a year. It's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Joe... Um, before we got on the podcast, you said you had some nerves. Yes. What's that about? Well, mainly because I've never done a podcast in my life, so that's new. Um, and I, I consider myself a quiet person. I'm not the most talkative guy. I'm generally pretty, uh, introverted. Not pretty, very. Uh, so talking and like creating fluid conversation is something I've had to work on a lot recently because I've become more uh, sort of aware of it. How did you become aware of it? And then what things have you done to work on it? Um, so I was always kind of aware of it, but sort of I've just been in more situations recently where I've been with people I don't know or more social situations where it's appropriate to make small talk or some shit like that uh, and I've noticed that I just keep pulling blanks hmm. and then it's awkward so I've been like well that that's something I want to work on so it's something I've just sort of tried to become more um, aware of which has helped in itself because then I'm like I can see or recognize when it happens and then try and do something about it um i talked i talk a lot about it to my fiance nat uh because she often gets not annoyed but she's like so do you want to try and converse with me right now <laughs> i'm like yeah let's let's try um so as like really helpful. Do, do you do that as practice well i mean or just I in general. Like, she's actually saying, hey, let's have a conversation. Yeah. But I find that's awful because <laughs> I I talk best when I'm not prompted into having a conversation. So right. when she says, hey, let's talk, then I'll be like... <laughs> and, and, yeah, freeze. Yeah, I get that. But catch me unaware and I'll, I'll, I'll babble. Well, right. You and I have always had good conversations. Uh, they started... Well, when we first met, <clears throat> we met. We, we just determined that we met in January 2011 in person for the first time. Yeah. We hadn't done anything online prior to that. That was actually our first interaction. Yeah. I saw you were coming to Bristol. I saw you offering lessons, so I hit you up, and we organized it. Right. So that was... The first time I met you, you came backstage. We sat down, I remember, in the dressing room. Yeah. Or in the backstage room. With Sam Gates. With Sam Gates. Your hair was quite different at that point. Correct. How Um, old were you then, Joe? So that was 2011. So that's seven years ago. So... 24 minus 7. 17? You were were 17. 16, 17. 16. Were you nervous for that interaction? Hugely, yeah. I remember that. How'd it go? Well, fine once it started happening, but it was the lead up to it. So what happened? In the lead up? Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Well, I can't remember. So I was 16, 17. So I had a couple years prior to that, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, and it was around that time, it was really bad about going into places I didn't know well or even just anywhere like away from home, which was like my safe place in inverted commas. Um, so I was, for for one reason or another, like the thoughts I was having at the time was I was worried I would have a panic attack or like suddenly feel ill and shit myself or just need to get out for whatever reason. Um, well, I, I actually like messaged you about it before we met, explaining yeah. that. Yeah, I remember and that. You were, and you like, you put my mind to ease somewhat. You did the most you could in that situation. I tried, but I knew I knew going into it that you were uh, dealing with the trepidation of, of the situation. But you would explain to me too that it wasn't just about our interaction; it was just about it was about going to the show. I mean, at that point, I don't know if it's if it's as or as extreme to say or to to categorize you as agoraphobic because I don't think you were that bad. But there was well, I was a diagnosed with that. You were. Yeah. Yeah. So I just remember that being... I remember knowing that. Remember you told me that beforehand? Yeah. And I remember knowing that it was a huge step for you to be at the venue, to be around other people like that, for us to communicate. And then um, I remember you being concerned about like where you would watch the show from, <clears throat> like what part of the room. You didn't want to mm. get caught up in the pit and like get consumed by people. Yeah. So if I recall, you Which watched from like the back... No, I was at the barrier in the end. You were? Yeah. Wow, okay. Because um, by that point, I'd got used to the like surroundings. I had my two friends with me at that point, because obviously they didn't come with me to the lesson, but I met them afterwards. Mm. So like, I was kind of in the groove of it then. Uh, so once I'd got like acclimatized, I was okay. And especially when the music starts going, you lose you lose yourself in that. Right. And then I was fine. Was this one of your first uh, concert experiences, or had you gone to many concerts in the past? I'd gone to many, um, but it was, I think, the first one since my anxiety got super bad. Uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was like around a couple of years prior to that, I think, that I got super bad anxiety. Hmm. But I've been to tons of shows before that. Did you try to draw on the the prior past experience of going to those shows to kind of put yourself at ease of like, hey, it's just a another show. This is what I love. I enjoy music. Uh, I think I wasn't in a place where that would have worked yet. I was kind of beyond that. Because... Uh, yeah, I mean, I hadn't got to the point where logic was working quite yet, as it were. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, I remember that show being a big deal for you. Not not because of the band or like the show itself. I, I just mean that experience for you of having the interaction with me, having it go well, being at the show, having that go well, that kind of shook you in a positive way to kind yeah. of get get inspired to get out of that shell and then i remember when i came back from that tour 
that's when you and I really started working together and communicating. I mean, we've done I don't even I don't even know how many online lessons in the past through Band and Happy. I mean, mm. how many did we do? 20, 30? Loads, maybe? I don't know. I like helped beta test Band Happy, didn't I? You did. Yeah. You were like one of the first people to see the platform. Yeah, yeah which is which is so cool because you know, unbeknownst to us, we're still doing that same thing together. Like, you've beta tested GGD. You've beta yeah. tested, like, you've been involved with, you've been involved in a lot of projects that mm. that I've been working on now from all the way back since Band Happy. I mean, like, it's been a while that you and I have been working together in multiple capacities of either... You know, at first, me being in the teacher role, you being in the student role, um, then me coming to you and looking for your assistance and your help mm-hmm. in varying degrees on different projects. Um, and then just, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I've said this to you privately, I've said this to you publicly, like seeing your growth, your projection, and uh, the the abilities that you've developed over the years since we first met and how good you are at so many things has been so rewarding to see coming from where you were before mm. you know like you were scared to get out of your house you were scared to interact with a lot of people i remember the first time that you came to the studio or even before that the first time you hung out with me and nolly at nolly's yeah. house or we came over your place to jam mm-hmm. And it yeah. was like such a, I, I remember you being like so concerned about like how to conduct yourself, whether you should talk, whether you should shut up. And yeah, I, we just kind of like that. I, oh, I know you better are better hiding it. I know you're still, I know you overthink those situations, but um, it seems to me, at least from the outside perspective, that you've overcome all of that stuff because now when we are in those situations, I truly believe that I see Joe for Joe. Like, I see you being yourself. You and I have spent enough time together that you've let your guard down in front of me, that you've shown me your vulnerable truth. Um, And now I don't really see you holding back, at least in the most recent years of us spending time together and working together. So, I mean, whatever you're doing, it's it's a huge uh, thing to be happy about. At least you you should be happy about it, I think. I am. Um, I was talking to my therapist about this on Tuesday. Um, it's because I've—I don't know. It's—it's it's been like a gradual road to like improvement or recovery or whatever, but it's also happened extremely quickly. Like, it's been gradual, and then in the last like three years, it's kind of skyrocketed um, to the point where I kind of feel like a, like a fraud talking about like when I was like really bad and when I was like really depressed and anxious because I'm in like such a better place now it's hard to remember what it was like so it kind of feels like I'm making it up which sounds weird but it's like it's hard to position myself back in that place so it feels foreign to me now which is amazing it's a a telltale sign of improvement 
Jill, I, I was going to go one way with this conversation, but since you brought up the, the therapy, I'm curious. Um, so the, the, the type of, I guess, theoretical orientation that your therapists use, uh, do you know if, is part of your process kind of gaining insight into why you, you know, felt, you know, depressed or anxious and then making meaning of that helps you move forward? Or, or have you noticed that your therapy has been more about just working in the here and now and more future-oriented things and building a skill set and not really putting too much kind of effort into digging into your past and upbringing? So I would say both um, at the start. Because like when I, I mean, I, when I first started going to therapy was when I had my anxiety. And at that point, I was, like, not leaving the house. I was having, like, panic attacks frequently. And then I'd have episodes of, like, 24-hour panic attack. So it was, like, pretty gnarly. Um, so at that point, it was more about trying to treat the symptoms, not the cause. Mm -hmm. Just to get to a baseline of, in, of functioning? Yeah. It was kind of like crisis mode, as it were. We were just trying to, like, find a way for me to keep going forward um, it was really only when I started to see my current therapist because I've seen three now um, that I started addressing why this has happened as opposed to what to do when it happens um, and I don't think that's really anything like a comment on the two therapists I've had in the past it's more a comment of the mindset I was now in to be able to address that Hmm. Do you feel like you're getting to the bottom of it? Yeah. Um, and I also, through doing that, was sort of almost so in understanding the cause, it's made me rec uh, recognize, yeah, recognize, say, if I'm starting to feel anxious about something, I can see it sooner and then think, okay, why is this happening? And it's probably about something completely unrelated. Mm. So, um, I had a stag do, which is not what you call it. What do you call it? Uh, a bachelor party. I had a bachelor party <laughs> um, do? last month. Mm -hmm. Sorry? It, uh, so explain I what like a stag that, yeah. is. Explain a stag. Okay, so best friends getting married. I'm his best man group of us go away on like one last in inverted commas piss up or whatever before he gets married right so that's what it is basically right um and i i don't like to drink because it makes me feel like shit mentally and physically so i try and not drink to excess so i was prior to going on the stadium i was worrying about that because it was going to be two three nights in a row of drinking to excess uh, or whatever um, so I was really kind of like two weeks before I was in a pretty anxious state consistently um, and I noticed I might not be actively being anxious about the stag do but I would be overthinking other things going on whether that be work or relationships or social interactions I noticed my anxiety around those things were far worse because I was in this general anxious state because of the stag do. 
Mm. And because I now understand that and can see that for what it is, it makes me be able to rationalize my anxieties around all the other things. Because I'm like, okay, I know what's going on. I'm just anxious about the stag do, which is a, like, which is fair enough, I guess. That's like a, a real anxiety, uh, stress or whatever. Um, which means that's why I'm just freaking out about this other stuff. So it's probably okay. Did you think to maybe address uh, the variable that was making you so anxious of this potential uh, moment you would end up in where you would have to drink versus you know uh, going through the process of overwhelming yourself with all this and causing anxiety? You could. Uh, did you think to maybe try to mitigate or eradicate it by having the conversation with your mates of like, hey, I don't love drinking because, and so I may not partake as heavy as everybody else just you know so you guys are aware did you have that conversation yeah i did um i kept forgetting to do it but i did it to my best friend who's the one getting married and he was like dude i totally understand if you start feeling bad let me know like i'm here for you if you don't want to drink don't bother it's no biggie and that was like a huge help i think a good sorry to cut you off man i think a good takeaway is like whenever we're feeling something just expressing it is almost like half the battle yeah whether whether it's with with a friend or a family member or you know even like in our facebook group i think sometimes just to get it out of your head uh then you can actually deal with it and see it for what it is instead of it kind of being this nagging thing that we just like drag around like dead weight yeah well, it, it takes it out from, like, rebounding around your mind. It just, like, takes the lid off the bottle and lets it out. And then you can, as you say, see it for what it is and digest it and then talk about it with people and work through it and rationalize it and then move on. Why do you think it took you so long to actually bring this up to your best friend? And is this something, you know, being being one of your best friends that he was kind of aware of ahead of time? Or was it something that he was like, oh, I didn't really realize that, but of course, do you? Um, why did it take me so long? Uh, was it just the normal anxiety of like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm not sure how he'll respond. Or is it just something that you just, you were busy and you just had forgotten about it. And every time it came up, you're like, oh shit, I need to do that. Yeah, much the latter. Because okay. I knew how he'd respond because he's a great guy and, you know, he understands mental health uh, and he knows that I have anxiety and whatnot. Um, so I knew he'd be fine, like, he'd be super supportive, but as you say, like, work and then procrastination and forgetting. I know this is going to, like, kind of make us bounce around, but I wanted to get in my original question before we dug into more of the therapy and mental health so, uh, Joe, you and Matt were kind of talking about how you first met, and then since then, the work and collaboration that you guys have done together. I'm curious, Joe, when you went into that first interaction uh, at the show or the, the pre-show lesson with Matt, did you have any vision or even desire to develop a long-term relationship and potentially uh, you know, add value to him in certain ways? Um, uh, I guess, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, at that point, I didn't really have much 
exposure to the music industry. I was still in college, which is not the same as American college. What's the difference? Because you were young, it seemed. Yeah. So your college is my university and my college is like the two years before that. So like the end of our high school, maybe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I was like the year before I would then go to university. Okay. Like around 17, 18 years old. Right. So I, I didn't have any exposure to like the real music industry. So at that point I was much more kind of just, um, it would be sick to get a drum lesson from this really sick drummer. But as we then followed up and had more lessons, that started to kind of creep into my mind, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, and a lot of our sessions too ended up being about bigger picture topics. I mean, yeah, we talked about the music business and the things that I was experiencing, but we also talked a lot about mental health. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, when we were having lessons was at points when I was like at my worst. And I think you knew that. We kind of talked about that. Like some lessons I remember I was like just off. Yeah, you were in a different relationship for part of that. You were living in a different location. You were going through, I think, a lot of social challenges, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you pulled yourself out of it even before we started really working together, you know? So what, what was like the, what was the motivator there? Oh, um, well, well, let me, let me, let me put I it mean, this way. Do you think that when you went from college, as you call it, to uni, mm. that made a difference? Because that to me was a big turning point for you. It seemed that way at least. You went from, from, being really at home for the most part to then going to school in Bristol you were still living at home but you were around a lot more musicians a lot more people weren't you working yeah. at, a, at a pub what didn't you work at a pub at some point too no am I thinking of Nolly I have no idea okay oh. <laughs> those British so. those <laughs> British guys anyway but yeah um, yeah, I mean, it was, if anything, it was just motivating and exciting to go to university to study music full time. Because uh, at college, I would, I did study music, but I had to also study other things. So it was really exciting to then do music full time around people who wanted to do music full time. Um, so that was really exciting. It was also oddly frustrating because uh, because of my anxiety I couldn't go and do all the social stuff so I had a very limited experience I feel but um, you know at least I got into class and studied and did my exams which was really exciting and was kind of I mean I always knew that I wanted to do music but it sort of started to feel like it was starting to happen at that point, which was really motivating. At that point, uh, did you know what that meant, that you wanted to do music? 
At which point, sorry? Uh, I guess when you started university, but even like now, like, I mean, what, at that point, what was the dream? What was the vision? What were you working towards? Or was it just this broader idea of, I just want to support myself doing something in music? Yeah, that. Um, when I was growing up, the dream was to be a drummer in a world famous band touring the world. And then when I got to college, I was like, maybe I need to start thinking, well, not need to start thinking. I realized that the, the current dream was to be able to afford life through music. So I didn't have to subsidize it with shit I didn't care about. Um, and that's very still, that's still very much my <clears throat> goal. Would you say you're doing that right now? Yes, just. Like, end of last year, beginning of this year, I've just started to sort of reach that. That's awesome, man. Well, good for you. I mean, it's, it's more than most could say, especially at, at your age now. Um, could you just catch us up? What, what actually are you doing right now, day to day, uh, to supplement your income as a musician? So... Um, main thing I do is I run my own recording studio, which is actually in the garage of my parents' house. Um, so bands come in, I record them, work with them, mix and master their music. On top of that, I teach drums once a week, a full day a week, which basically pays for my food for the week, which is great. Um, and then, those are the two things I do, but on top of that, I'm sort of just working with people and on things which uh, will lead to more contacts, more money, more experience, more portfolio. It's smart, man. It, it seems like you, you, you play this long game in, in the sense of, I mean, even with this Chocolate Croissants podcast, I mean, we'll be very frank in, in that, you know, we're not really giving you much of anything you know, for, for the effort that you've put into it. it talking about more monetarily. Right. Um, but you've really put yourself into this position, whether it's this or other of Matt's projects, um, where if, if one of these things really starts to take off, you would be in the position to, to benefit the most uh, outside of the, the key people, you know, doing it every single day. Right. Um... I've always had this sort of motto for myself, which is short-term sacrifice for long-term gain, which, and I, I don't really like the word sacrifice because it makes it sound like I hate what I'm doing or whatever, but it's like, if someone offers me an opportunity, which will be unpaid, uh, to do something, but then it's working on a cool project I believe in or with people, I think could... Uh, be I don't like the word useful because it makes it sound like I'm using them but are people who know what they're doing that I respect that know people that know what they're doing that I respect like I'm going to do that because who knows what it'll lead to if I don't do it then I know that it will lead to nothing it's true yeah and, and I've had many experiences doing similar things but really the only sacrifice is just you're not getting money in return for uh, you know said time or, or talent or energy um, 
but beyond just the network, uh, I mean, you could leverage the experience. You could leverage what you're adding to a resume or a portfolio, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. I, so for me, it's when I'm making decisions because I do have to be very judicious about what I commit my time to. Uh, money isn't always the factor of is this worth doing. I have to kind of weigh all all the benefits and, and the ways that uh, me saying yes to a project uh, could potentially uh, you know pay out long term in different ways. Sure, absolutely. And you guys have mentioned it loads. But just say yes and then work it out. I've done like, even like the thing I've been helping you with, Matt, mm -hmm. where you asked me if I'd ever used Premiere. Yeah. I hadn't in my life, but I was like, yeah. And <laughs> then you, you sent me the stuff and I worked it out and I got it done. Is this like, something we can talk about? Yeah. So, you <laughs> um, so did, are you it. for the first time, Matt, finding out that Joe didn't know what he was doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I'm sure but, you don't care. But, no, I don't care but, but at that's, all. That's, and I'm, and that's I'm great. And I'm almost not surprised because I know that's your mentality, and I know, and I knew that you would be savvy enough um, to figure it out, even if you hadn't done it. What is Premiere? Yeah. Okay, so Premiere is a video editing suite. It's a okay. it's video editing software, and it's the software that Finn uses to edit all of the videos that we put out for the Punk Rock MBA. Oh, cool. Neither Finn nor I at this point have been able to carve out enough time on our own to just do the some of the editing that's required. Right. So is that adding text and adding text the yeah. on top and bottom and whatnot? Or yeah. The, the so, photo on top and bottom. So basically I, I'll send Joe um the I will like this so we just filmed a video recently. Me and Finn both filmed we both recorded a full script, each of us. Right. The same exact thing. Finn sent it to me and then I chopped it together. I, I made the fine cut where I edited it together to where we're both speaking and doing this dialogue. And you're using one or the other. I'm just using I, no, iMovie. I'm, I'm using, what using, we understand. Yeah, I'm using right. iMovie to right. do that. Right. So then I asked Joe if he would be interested in taking on some work to basically help us make all of the social assets. Okay. Right. To, that would be used for promotion. Right. So. What Joe's getting from me is the edited version of the video. Um, and the text? No, not even the text. Um, because the text, like once we write out the script. Yeah, ad-lib a little bit. It, yeah, yeah sure. it ad-libs sure. a little bit. Sure. Um, so, I, so we sent it to Joe and we said, okay, Joe, we need a uh, YouTube version. We need a Facebook version that has hard subs. Um, we need Instagram. an Instagram version that has hard subs. We need Twitter story, Instagram story versions that have hard subs. Uh, and I think that's it, right? And like a thumbnail or two that Finn is going to make and yada, yada, yada. Um, but I, so we did this with one of my videos at first. I said, Joe, like, here's what we can do. We don't have full budget to pay you right now. But if you like it and you're interested, one, we'll, get, we'll bargain by giving you access to the course if you're interested. By no means that I assume that you would be. But if you were, great. Um, and then I, I prefaced all this by saying that, and if you like it and there is good work done and we continue to work together, there's absolutely going to be an opportunity as we continue to grow and bring in revenue where we're going to need to hire someone to do this stuff. And right. I, if you are interested, you would be that first person that we would ask. 
And right. that is, that's exactly how I presented it. I think that's how I presented it to you. 100%. Um, and so it would be stupid for me to say no to that. Like, well, that's, you know, neither here nor there, but we needed the, we needed the help. And the first video that Joe did, I would have no idea that he didn't know how to use Premiere. Right. And he did it in like two days. Yeah. From what I like from what I sent you the video, you you just like got up and running and you did it. So whatever research you did, watching YouTube videos I would gather, reading some articles. Yeah. It worked. Because I actually had Premiere on one screen and Google on the other, and I was just going between the two. <laughs> but see, that's awesome. So like what what kind of learning curve is the program is it as complicated as i think a lot of people talk about logic just being a very sophisticated recording program so like matt and i and jordan with this podcast have had to figure out more basic maybe more elementary style applications like GarageBand and using ecamm to record stuff skype um matt and i use imovie to cut up and and put together some of these videos for the socials but we we get by with not a lot of knowledge and we just try to figure it out as we go but what you're using premiere is does is that a high learning curve or was it something where you really had to spend a lot of time to figure out the ins and outs of it or did it kind of come naturally um well i i had to learn what i needed to know i wasn't going to waste time learning how to add crazy video effects and cgi because that wasn't what I needed to know. Sure. I just needed to know how to make something a certain resolution and to put text on something. Um, I've used Photoshop a lot and both were by Adobe. So I was like, there's going to be similarities. I can work this out. Um, and there are, there are kind of similar workflows, I guess. Um, and, but yeah, Premiere is like super deep and I don't know like half the stuff on it. But I but, will learn it as I need to. But it's interesting to me, and I said this to you, I think, the, after the first video, I was like, yeah, after this one, it'll get much, much easier, much faster. Yeah. And you were like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you're going to get more comfortable with the software. Like, you have the templates now. And I think you turned this one around much faster. Uh, yeah, I did it today. Yeah, you did it today. And, and like, the only errors were, like, things really... Like the big error was that we gave you the wrong, like our, we picked the wrong Instagram cut to, to use, which is a pain in the ass for you because now you have to go fix our fuck up. But then just a couple typos. And then the the one thing that, that is different is the gonna versus gonna. Yeah. Which is simply just a language or I should say uh, nationality barrier in how we both write those two same words, you know? Yes. But aside from that, it's like, okay, well, that's it. And like, you crushed it. And mm. we're getting to a point with that project where not only are we going to have more content to push out that we definitely want to keep working with you on, but we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep bringing in revenue and we're going to have a need to bring someone on. And, you know, Finn and I have already talked about the fact that like, you would be a great first hire, you know, um, and we've had you and I have had the same conversation when it comes to GGD. You yeah. know, like we're going to need certain things when it comes to GGD as we get rolling with new products and rolling new things out. Um, I've always extended the invite to you if you're ever interested. We can definitely give you work and we can definitely pay you for your time when we, you know, when the time is right. So as long as you're open to those things, it's great. My question for you is this. 
This is something that I've been pondering and I want you to be honest about it because um, I don't know, I, I, I just, I don't know where you stand like on this. It's like you're gonna say like, I'm gonna give you a million dollars if you. No, I wanna know, I wanna know what your overall big picture goal is right now because the work that I am or that, that we are sending you is not necessarily part of the original dream of being a musician, playing in a band, touring in a band, so on and so forth. So what itch does this stuff scratch? And are you actually interested in doing this kind of work for now in order to get to whatever the next point is? But like, what what is it attractive for you? Or is it still just kind of like, all right, it's part of the long game? No to the, it's no to the second point. It is attractive to me. Okay. Um, if it was some... So take this video editing thing. If it was some accounting firm that wanted to make videos about accounting, I wouldn't do it. But... Um, the punk rock MBA is something that I've started using. Like I, I, I looked at your course last night a bit and I'm really looking forward to properly getting into that because that's gonna benefit me and my business. Um, it's something, it's a project I believe in and it's something that I'm gonna get uh, benefits from and it's something other people are gonna get benefits from that I think is important. So to work on that is great. Same thing with this podcast. Um, it's something that I really believe in. It's something that's helped me. It's something I've shown other people and it's helped them. So to be a part of that is a privilege. Um, and as I said before, it's great experience. It's um, like I've never really, I, when I've worked, it's always been by myself on my own stuff. So like working with people who need stuff done by deadlines, who have expectations of me has been really beneficial to me um, for many reasons um, to, well, it's been great for my work ethic because instead of where, it's easy for me if I'm working on stuff just for me to procrastinate, but when I know someone's depending on me, I'm gonna, not do that and get the work done because I don't want to let them down. Um, and I've seen the benefits of putting that extra work in. So now I want to try and start applying that to my own projects for myself. Got it. So one, Joe, I one I, I identify with that response and I've, I've found uh, the same experience of putting in effort and, and contributions to other projects and how that's had a positive impact on my own businesses where it's kind of just me in my own silo. Um, also, I'm going to speak for the three of us and say that your your response was very touching and we appreciate that. Um, I'm curious, can you think of maybe one way uh, for both Punk Rock MBA and also Chaka Croissants, what's one way for each that those projects have been helpful for you personally? Um, okay, I'll start with the podcast. Um, you've, 
I mean, it's hard to really narrow it down to one way because each... I told this to Matt before. Like, when you've had chefs on in the past, I've seen the guests and I've thought, huh, okay, I don't really see how this is going to be interesting to me. And then I'll listen to it and it's got all this cool shit in that I'd never thought of or stuff that I can apply to my business or general lifestyle and I come away feeling inspired and pumped up and like I want to wake up the next day and get shit done um that's the main way this podcast has helped me it's just it's like a weekly injection of inspiration which is awesome um and you know I've showed it to people who have said the same thing so um but with the punk rock NBA it's a similar thing um the thing I like about Finn and Matt is they don't sugarcoat things with the way you put it across and I think that's kind of like what's well, punk rock like you don't really give a shit I mean you do but you don't really give a shit what we're like feeling about it it's like this is the truth it's up to you to kind of take it and think about it mm-hmm. and that really cuts through any sort of um, I don't know what, what the word is I'm thinking of but it's direct and it's inspirational in itself and with the punk rock NBA there's a ton of stuff on there I mean the first the first uh, what am I thinking my brain's gone blank the first time I heard of it was when I was asking Matt about sponsored ads on Facebook and you were like check out this article on the punk rock NBA and you sent me it and I read through it and I was like okay that all makes sense so I'm gonna go do that and then that advert got me a bunch of clients so I mean it's just proof that it's working hmm that's cool I didn't know you did that I didn't know you actually took it and ran ads on Facebook with that <clears throat> yeah cool what kind of ads were you running what what kind of uh, specifically what kind of work were you hoping to get so that was at a point where I hadn't had a single uh, paying client. So it was an ad basically um, putting out this crazy deal to get a whole EP recorded, mixed and mastered for like £150, um, which hurt me to do, kind <laughs> of, because it was a lot of work for not much money. But it got my studio off the ground and it's brought return customers and new clients in because I've managed to build a portfolio from it. So while we're there, I think this is a good segue to a few questions that we got in the Facebook group for you, Joe, yeah. kind of speaking mm -hmm. about your business in particular. Uh, so for those listening, facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. Uh, so the first is from Matt Fisher. Uh, so, Joe, what kinds of bands or artists do you most commonly engineer for? And do you have a favorite style or genre of music uh, to engineer for in particular? Yes. Uh, so, I comment, well, because I'm so early in my career still, I take anyone who comes to me, really. Um, so, at the moment, I'm working on, like, this rap metal band Limp Biscuit? It's not Limp Biscuit. I'm making this really big push for Limp Biscuit in this group. I've noticed. 
Um, Are you in support of that? Sure. It doesn't make you think, why the hell do I spend all these hours a week working on this project? No. Okay, <laughs> I'll take it, I'll take it. No. Um, so, yeah, rap metal, um, like, uh, really good, kind of like progressive rock, I guess. Um, and I'm working on, like, this singer-songwriter country thing and this like goth band just got in touch with me so I'll be working on that so kind of anything and everything which is good for me because it's pushing the boundaries of what I've done before so I'm learning something super new with each project um uh what was the second part of that question um uh really it's really do you have a a favorite genre so I guess if you could if you could work with any type of band what would that band sound like? Um, anything that brings something new to the table, I think. Whether that's something just new to me that I haven't really heard before, or something that I think's new to that kind of sound, I really enjoy working on and get really excited about. Well, you know, Joe, I'll speak to your flexibility uh, as an artist. So you uh, wrote and produced the I guess the theme music to Chocolate Croissants. Uh, yeah. So and he wrote he wrote original hardcore music for the background of all of the punk rock NBA videos he's now worked on. Oh, is that right? Hey now. Yeah. So yeah. And and I guess my point with sharing this is that I know in earlier episodes I laid out some sort of sketch vision for what I was looking for in music. And you took it upon yourself to just put something together and share it. Uh, and what you first presented to me was definitely not what I was looking for. And I kind yeah. of felt bad, like being like, you know what, like this, this sucks, man. But like, I had to be truthful. And I, I knew that wasn't what you wanted. Okay. I started writing it, trying to go for what you wanted, and then it just went a different way. And I was like, well. It probably isn't what he wants, but I'm just going to send it to him. And were you were you working on our individual episodes at this point, or was that really our first communication? So. I was, but I don't think I'd actually spoken to you before. Right, because I, <laughs> I didn't really know who you were. Maybe I kind of knew the name just from the Facebook group in different threads. But when you sent me that first draft, I was like, fuck, there's no way this dude's ever going to get anywhere close to what I have in mind. And I kind of wrote you <laughs> off, to be honest. And then after a couple revisions, you got it. And what yeah. I was so impressed that it, the, the style had changed so dramatically. But my point is that you're flexible as an artist and as a creator. And mm. after that, I was like, damn... Uh, Joe really can handle a lot whether it's another music project or like for Matt working on more of this video stuff because uh, you just seem uh, like I said before just very flexible <clears throat> yeah um, I think the problem was you guys were like oh yeah like romantic Las Vegas music and I didn't have a fucking <laughs> clue what that meant okay so it wasn't I had this romanticized like idea of a style of music that I heard in Las Vegas, like lobby music. It wasn't actually. It wasn't like romantic music per se. No, Got but it. that still meant nothing to me. And <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong. Did the 
Did the music come about before or after you and I had some kind of conversation? I was sitting in class in chemistry, I remember, and you and I were having some kind of conversation about Steve Gatt and Pino Palladino and how I think that's what Jordan was going for. Um, I'd forgotten that. Uh, I, I'm trying after. to remember if you made the intro before or after we both said that and we both had this idea of like, you know, two cycles and then this like fade out kind of idea. No, I actually think that was that was before we had that conversation because I kind of came to you and was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck he means. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we tried to... We, Romantic we, Las Vegas. We tried to it. find clarity in whatever the fuck Jordan was saying. Yeah, but we got there. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, and it's cool that now I've heard it enough times as I'm listening through. You know, I, I don't listen through every episode, but I at least listen through the transitions just to make sure everything's there and and it's clean. And when I hear it now, it's been enough times where it takes on the identity of what chocolate croissants means to me, and and it kind of gets me pumped for the for the episode to start uh, really digging deep with the guest so it's That's awesome it, yeah man it's it's been really effective and it sets the tone it sets the tone and it's added a ton of value i think obviously to my but i think a lot of people's experiences of these episodes every week so thank you for that you're welcome it's uh it's cool to hear it i still like it i think it sounds good um do you want to ask that then i have a, a slight different direction i want to go yep so uh our dude adam yanzi has two questions for you joe uh but he prefaces it with a yes and four <laughs> exclamation points um, i love that guy so joe when you work with bands or artists in your studio uh have you encountered any obstacles when communicating with them let's just start with that one um not like literally communicating with someone but i think i've had problems not problems but moments where i think it would be cool to do something one way or take the song one way and then the artist has had a contradicting idea to that um that's really been the most difficult communication i've encountered so that um, leads to, to, not to cut you off, but it leads to the second question of Adams. Do you push the musicians when tracking and try to get them to record better or tighter takes? Or do you leave all of that to the musicians? And that kind of goes to even the, the actual production and creativity and songwriting. I think that's part of a music producer's job is to push the musicians and get the very best that they can out of them. I think that's one of the reasons people come to a studio is to get out of their bedrooms or the, the practice space and get to a place where the only thing they're focusing on is getting the very, 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 very best performance they can. So I take that responsibility on when a band comes to me to try and push them and create something better than they thought they were going to. Um, it's hard is it there's a fine line between doing that constructively and then it can very quickly become awkward or a very negative thing because understandably the more someone does something the more frustrating it gets so it's important to mix that up with humor uh coffee breaks cigarette breaks i don't smoke but like every person who comes to my studio does 
So I'm like, go have a cigarette, chill out for like five minutes and come back in and we'll do it fresh. And nine times out of 10, that sorts it. Um, if not, I'm like, check out this stupid YouTube video I saw. <laughs> and then that normally sorts it. Hmm. So you but see yeah. yourself as much of a producer as you are an engineer. Yeah. So engineering, for those that don't know, is the literal recording setting up mics tracking into software or on tape which I don't do because I that scares me um, uh, you know the literal recording stage and then like song producer a song producer is literally someone who works on the song so it's kind of got blurred recently and people consider a producer someone who records makes and masters songs um what was the question? Well, I guess the way that you self-identify or how do you oh, yeah. how do you promote your services? Is it as the producer slash engineer role? Yeah. So it's like Prism Recordings, I can produce, record, and mix, master your song. That's kind of what I sell. Right. A one-stop shop. Well, right. It's a one-stop shop for uh, any artist or band that wants to record their music and, and, have yeah. it, and have it produced. And a lot of, you know, the three of us definitely grew up, I think, with uh, working for the most part where you had to kind of uh, piece out each part. You'd have to go somewhere and have it recorded. And maybe you worked with someone who would help you with fleshing out these songs and getting them where you want to be so the production side but then we would normally have to send our stuff somewhere else for mixing and potentially somewhere else for mastering yeah mm -hmm. yeah it varied well now everybody does it now well, like everyone seems to be the jack of all trades be able to do all of it well there's so many tools out there now for people to take advantage of and <clears throat> educational opportunities out there nail the mix is one obviously that i know you're a member of that finn uh, works on and that is that's been a huge one I think because it teaches people all aspects of the recording process it's blown the whole game wide open nail the mix honestly right it's changed it's changed the, the landscape 100% okay so I want to ask one why do you say that uh, and then two I want to talk about um, your involvement in so many different forums and groups because I see you post in Nail the Mix, in the URM Academy. I see you posting things in the Punk Rock MBA. I see you posting things in the Chocolate Croissants group. So first, I want to know why you think, in particular, Nail the Mix blew everything up. And then I want to talk about your view on networking and how that has been beneficial for you and how you see that happening. Like, Do you feel like you met more people in real life? and then moved to the online forums or vice versa? So, I mean, again, it's two separate questions, but I'm curious to know, one, why you, let's start with the nail the mix thing. Right. What's your thought um, on that? It's given, well, it's kind of the, the, the Spotify or iTunes of education about modern rock, metal, even country uh, audio production. It's given people instant access to a bank of lessons, uh, resources, and even they've got um, a portfolio builder now. So like they've, I don't know, whatever, they've acquired the license to a certain number of tracks 
where they give you the raw stems and you can go and mix them and then use them in your own portfolio. So that would have saved me having to potentially do that whole 150 quid EP thing to get portfolio. That could have been, it's taken away steps basically. Right. And it's given people, it means people don't have to approach people and ask for lessons because other people have organized lectures with world famous producers that people can now instantly access online. That's yeah. why I think it, it's, it's like, it's the same thing as computers have changed the game because now everyone can have a studio in their bedroom. Everyone now has like university quality lectures on their computer in their bedroom. Right. Does it feel, just because I'm not a user of it and I don't really follow that world that much, but does it feel similar to TED Talks? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what they do is each month, this is just one of the things they do. They've got loads of different services. This isn't a paid ad, although if you want to swing some money my way, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, they So each month they release the unmixed SEMs for songs so like this month's is bring me the horizon so that's like a huge band and explain so a stem to... so everybody knows who doesn't know what a stem is okay stem is the individual track recorded from a microphone so if you record a drum kit you're gonna have you know on average 13 14 stems for the drum kit so you got two kick mics two mics on the snare so that's four stems so a stem is the track recorded from one microphone. Right. As it were. So this month they've got the unmixed stems for a Bring Me The Horizon track, which they release to you. You download them, you mix them, and then you submit them to a contest. And then um, at the end of each month, the person who mixed the original song, so this month it's Dan Lancaster he does basically an online lecture where he sits at his computer in a studio and mixes the song from scratch and you can watch the whole thing and then they have like questions uh, opportunities for questions like situated through the episode for people to ask questions basically yep it's an awesome platform and it's they're really working smart. and they're working with good people and they have a great team behind them um, and you know Again, through networking, there's probably an opportunity somewhere if the if it ever arises for you to get more involved with them now because of your relationship that you're building with Finn. Yeah, exactly. Who is the director of marketing for Nail the Mix and, and URM. So that was what I was going to say. What's interesting to me is as an introvert, you have managed to build relationships with a lot of people in the music world and in this sort of new age education world, right? Yeah. Um, to what do you attribute that? And that's, like, I guess, what I was asking. Do you feel like you've been able to do that just through being involved in conversations online? Or has it happened because of, do you think, as an example, you putting yourself out there at a young age to come and meet me and have that lesson and just simply be yourself and make a good impression. What have you found has been the most useful? Because I, I'm asking you this because I think our listeners can benefit from your answer here because 
networking seems to be this gigantic, scary behemoth of a thing that people are afraid to do. But yet, with what I see you doing, not only are you networking successfully and, and everybody in these forums is familiar with you, but you're actually getting work from it now. So what what is what are you doing? What do you think it is? If you had to analyze that. Um, well, the first thing is I, I don't use these forums because I want to get something from it. Right. Uh, well, that's not true. I use the forums because I want to gain the knowledge and the wealth of information that is shared on the forums. I'm not doing it because I'm trying to get work. Um, almost all of the opportunities that have come to me through music has been started online. Um, I mean, even with you, Matt, the first thing I did was message you on Facebook, right? Yeah. Um, I think if you're going to go that route, there's one thing which is vital, and that is... Uh, how do I word this? Being very careful not to overstep a line with that person. Um, and it's something I think I've screwed up a couple times, but so far it hasn't backfired. Um, you have to be very wary of not freaking out or annoying the person you're contacting. So you've got to not come across as that person who's just trying to get something from that person or the weird fan guy who's just like trying to get in contact with someone they admire. Um, and I mean, you can do that a couple of different ways. You can, I mean, the, the, the context of why you message them is important in the first place. So, uh, and what you put in the message is important. You've got to be respectful and not weird, bluntly. Um, and the frequency at which you message them is also important. So if they don't, so like, say you're just messaging someone out of the blue um, you don't want to be well. What like what I would say is, hey, uh, I'm a big fan of your work. Uh, I've been following it for a while. I just want to say, if you ever need help with this, I'd be super up for helping you out. If you ever need that, let me know. And I think that's a good balance of showing your appreciation for their work without being weird. Mm -hmm. And then just putting yourself in a position where they know where to come to find you if they need something. Um, and if they don't reply, leave it for four months, like that long before hitting them up again. Um, I think you've got to play the long game, really, I think. Mm -hmm. you just got to be respectful and put yourself in their shoes yeah how many times have, have you um, been in a correspondence with someone like Nolly and it takes him a long time to get back to you but yeah, he eventually uh, does he eventually does of course um, I mean you've got to be respectful of their time 
you got to think how many things is this person juggling like some guy messaging him is probably going to be pretty low on their their list of to do um so you just have to be able to be patient and even forget about it and focus on something else just be satisfied that you've sort of thrown the bait as it were yeah uh, and then just leave it what I also think is really helpful Joe about the advice you shared with everyone is that you were specific in the way in which you could add value to the person you're contacting and, and yeah and not just saying hey if you ever need help let me know I'd be interested in but I think the more specific you can get and and obviously you would ideally do some homework beforehand and have an educated guess uh, as to where they could use some help. Yeah, you've got to know why you're contacting them. Um, well, some people just want access. Some people just want the relationship and they're willing to do, quote, anything. Yeah, and I think that's the wrong way to put yourself across. A hundred percent. So I guess my point is uh, you seem to have a very reasoned... Uh, measured approach and obviously there's a reason why uh, you've had so much success uh, networking yeah well I think the other point to add on is you've got to put your like I'm not going to contact Nolly and be like hey man if you ever need help mixing something hit me up I'd be like hey dude if you ever need help like editing editing some tracks or something because you haven't got time like I'm around I'll, I'll fit it in if you ever need like someone to just do some work like hit me up yeah um, and it's worked yeah so far so far yeah um, I also remember times when you and I have been in person together and like when we've been to Middle Farm Studios and you joined us for some of the sessions we were doing you know at first I remember you were it was like the first time you were meeting Misha in person and mm -hmm. you were kind of like, what's he like? You know, should I act a certain way? What should I expect? And I think you taking the road of simply just being yourself, being self-aware, yeah. being being aware of, of what was happening in the room, being aware of what your role is, but then also at the same time being yourself, that, that was like the perfect ticket. That was like the perfect thing because, you know, there were plenty of times during that session where, you were totally being yourself and everybody was laughing not at you i'm saying laughing because of what you contributed to the conversation in a positive way you were you were gaining respect you were you were making friends in the process um so it's this combination of being who, who you are but as you said being very careful also not to overstep being self-aware um and knowing your role in, in, yep. in that situation so that's that's uh, you've mastered that I think maybe just from the experiences that you've had so far but at mm. this point I think you've mastered it enough to be able to share that with other people and explain what can help them to, to have similar experiences maybe that you have if they if given the opportunity you know because I think now you've you've gained a friendship a friend in Misha you've gained a friend in Nolly in me in these two guys in Finn um, and countless other people that I know that you've met now through through just this this whole community um, 
And you wouldn't do that if you weren't being anybody but yourself. Yes. Yeah. It's a mixture of, yeah, as you say, being yourself and being respectful of the environment, I think. Yeah. I, I actually have a question about this. So the, the all these new relationships that you start to form because of the way you position yourself, whether it's in the groups or the way you're advertising your services, um, all of that together, that part of being in the group, messaging people, advertising online, all happens where you don't have to make the human interaction. But mm. but uh, I want to bring up our relationship because it's it's funny that a lot of times I'll try to call you through Facebook, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. The, where I'm like, oh man, we could hash this out so much faster. We just hop on a quick call um, versus typing back and forth. Do you still get anxiety and uh, are you still very self-conscious of yourself when you're not sure what to expect about the maybe a newer relationship that has started, business or otherwise, friendships? Um, is it something where you're like, oh, hey, man, I can't hop on? Because we, we, I tried you know, maybe three or four times where I was like, let's hop on one until we finally got on one to hash yeah. out a few things the other morning. Um, and... Not that you were dodging, but you'd always have, oh, no, I can't for whatever reason. Is that something that you can that you use almost to safeguard yourself because you're not sure what to expect? Or um, are you feeling more comfortable of pulling yourself out from uh, maybe behind the keyboard for a lot of these newer relationships that you're forming? I fucking hate voice calls. Do you prefer video? Because I prefer, I love video. <laughs> I don't care for voice as much. Sure. Um, but it's all better than typing for me. I'll say that. Right. I agree. It's it's not because I don't like it. It's because they freak me out. Mm. Um, with someone new. So if Matt called me, I'd be fine with it because we've talked countless times. But when you called me, yeah, uh, I was freaked out. But the same as starting this podcast... As soon as I clicked accept, I was fine. Right, right. I mean, so, I'll get it where I get a number I don't recognize on my phone and I won't fucking pick it up because I'm like... Ah, ah. I don't do that either, don't but worry. Yeah. I, I actually dealt with like, not severe, but I dealt with like a, a, a pretty unhealthy amount of anxiety in college, maybe about eight years to a decade ago or so. Uh, because I had started to associate and kind of go in in like a different direction with the group of people I was hanging out with. And I was just like, it it wasn't healthy or conducive to anything that was considered healthy. And so when I would get phone numbers from people I didn't know, it would just turn on this like overproduction of anxiety. And I would just be Mm -hmm. like, oh man, I hope they leave a voicemail. I don't want to text them. So I totally hear that. But the, the, the more often, you know, you just someone rings the doorbell and you just answer the door instead of thinking like who's coming to get me or something crazy you know driving anxiety towards it or like someone calls and you just pick up the phone and not worry about it the i i'll attest to it the easier it all gets where it's like what is wrong with us why do we why do we always fall off you know the the deep end of this one so i'm i'm glad you open i'm i'm glad you opened the door i'm glad you you know answered the phone finally when i was like hey let's just hop on a phone call uh, yeah, Matt, Matt's over here saying, eh, I don't think so. I'm going to keep letting it go to voicemail. I mean, if someone calling me, uh, 
wants to talk and it's important, they'll leave me a voicemail or they'll text me what it is and I'll call them back if I don't know the number. Of course. If someone rings my doorbell and I'm not expecting anyone, I'm not fucking opening the door. I'll actually attest to that right now because uh, a, a friend of mine, a contemporary at school, answered the phone on a phone number, I think this past week, that she didn't know who it was and was caught very off guard as a pre-interview to a potential big interview and had to answer three questions and all this other stuff and I would have advised as as what I've found through uh, parsing through a bunch of information of like during this like two month process where you might get these unknown numbers from these like uh, directors of these of these programs let everything go to voicemail so you can screen it and then you'll know what's coming. You can like lay out all of your material and you can yeah, get it. Yeah, you're in, ready to go. Right, you can get into like a very healthy place, get a tea or a coffee, a water. You can sit down and feel like, okay, I'm ready for this. Whereas my friend was very much like flabbergasted and was like, oh shit. So maybe there is some, uh, there is a reason, of course, at times to let it go to voicemail. I will say before calls, I do like having that prep. Like I, I like having earbuds in so both my hands can be free, whether it's for a drink or to take notes uh, and things like that. Um, it's gotten better, but with Justin, when he would call me, I would use, I would get that same crippling anxiety when I'd see that Justin was calling me because I was expecting like a 30 minute waste of my time. <laughs> um, I don't I don't answer doors because I keep hearing about these home invasions, man. Oh no. There was a home invasion in uh, Kingsville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2 days ago. Right. These guys knocked on a, a nice in a nice and affluent neighborhood. They knocked on a door. The dad answered. He was like in his 60s. His son was home. He was in his early 20s. These two guys were dressed as police officers. Oh no. They oh, they pushed themselves in, tied him up and ransacked the house. You need that Nas backed doorbell. You need the yeah, you need Ring or uh, right. or Nest. Yeah, one right. of those two. Right. Or move to the UK with Joe where there are no bad guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. We've heard of yeah. that. Well, uh, I think it's due to a lack of something else, but Yeah. Uh, fair. Yeah, yeah, we won't we're not going to get into that topic right now. I but yes, I got you. I got you on that. So, to the listeners <laughs> who can't see and to even Joe who can't see because Matt did it off the Skype camera, uh Matt just gave us the let's take this shit home signal. Right. Um because you're boring us terribly, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Because Jordan fine. just told me that he dreads my phone calls. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> no, as soon as that shit starts happening... That's when we know it's, it's time just downhill. to just, you know, go yeah. to sleep. Yeah, it's downhill from here. But no, Joe, you, you're, it's been really nice to have you on. Um, I think a lot of our listeners will resonate with you and what you have to say. Um, because they've seen you... At least in the Facebook group, they've seen you interacting quite often, hmm. and I think that they'll feel much more connected to you. They'll know who you are a lot better, and I think they'll probably, well, if they don't, they should be willing to reach out to you with other questions or, please, whatever. Yeah, please, yeah, yeah. Even if you haven't got questions, I just want to chat. I'm lonely. Just hit me <laughs> up. Especially about running, right? He's the most. You'd love to make some, maybe. No, come on. What about some new? If you're in my, what area are you in again? Uh, Canesham. Okay, so if you're in that area or anywhere close, uh, Joe would love some running company. I would not run with you. Come on. No. Um, I run with my fiance Nat, and that's it. 
Okay. Right. You're the you're the you're the loneliest engaged human being in the world. <laughs> Thank God for the Okay, internet. wait, one more le- here's the last <laughs> thing that's the, really cool. Right, rapid fire questions by Here, Matt. Here's the last thing that's really cool. So Joe is a very good drummer mm-hmm. and his fiance is a very good drummer and they met at school yes. playing drums. Can yeah. You, can you post are there videos that's, of this? That's that's awesome. That's that is pretty cool. awesome. Yeah, we uh we are in the same class. Drum class? <laughs> <laughs> we gonna do that? <laughs> Jordan's never been anywhere. It's okay. Class. class. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, you guys were in drum cl- class together, and what what was they what were they in? Man, words class. are weird. Yeah, words are weird. Um, do you have any video footage of the two of you playing drums together? Drum off? No. Um. No. Are there any? She's got some. She's got some drum covers up there. Do Do you guys jam or write or perform ever together? Um. Sometimes I really we've one of my aims for 2018 is to like write music with her and play live with her because that would be fun. Yeah. Do you know Do you know the bass player um, Yannick Wizdala? No. Okay, I'm gonna link you to him, but uh, he's a great bass player, a Berkeley guy who also has a girlfriend who is a great bass player and tours and and whatnot. They do like uh, he does a vlog, which seems like almost every day, and a lot of them she's there and they play together. They just practice and just hang out and chat about music and whatever else. I could see you guys doing that. Yeah, Benny Greb yeah. has a percussionist girlfriend now. Pretty sure that's cool. And. Um, Marjoliana is married to um, who? Marjoliana is a really, really, really great drummer. Um, God, I can't think of his wife right now, but she's a uh, uh, bridge. I'll look it up. Jordan, anyway, Ingr- Ingrid Michaelson. Ingrid Michaelson. Jordan, you yeah. got any? Yeah. Um, Derek Trucks and and uh, Derek Jeter. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Gretchen Parletto, not Ingrid Michaelson. <laughs> not even close. I'm wrong. Gretchen Parletto. All right. On that note. On that note. All yeah. right. So, Joe, take us home. Take us home, Joe. You've heard 48 of these. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, oh, shit. I was thinking about this earlier if you guys were going to ask me this, and I had it in my head. Okay, wait. Hang on. I almost made you do the intro the other day. Yeah. So, this episode is sponsored by Nada Tattoo, uh, the premium all- Homemade? All natural. All natural. All, natural, all, natural, natural. all vegan. All vegan. Organic. Tattoo, organic tattoo care company. We met her, uh, the company, <laughs> at the... Uh, Expo East? Some, Expo East. And we hit it off. And Matt uses their products uh, to make his tattoos shiny. So that's, does Jordan and Justin. That's correct. Uh, so there's a contest in the Facebook group where you could win some shit. Um, Where do you get to that Facebook group, Joe? Facebook.com slash group slash chocolate croissants. <laughs> um, also, thanks to Road Mike. That's R-O-D-E Mike dot com. No, it's socials. not. Is it? Road.com. There we go. Um, Road Mike else? on their socials? Uh, yeah. Show go us the mic. Out, uh, what? Show us the mic. What mic are you using? The Rode NT-USB microphone. Plug it straight into your your computer via a USB cable. No hassle, no interface, no shit. Do it. Um, what else? Um, uh, go onto your 
podcast app of choice rate five stars leave a review it really helps us out um, do we know why it helps us out though no no we'll none of us do, do. no one knows anything uh, on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> we don't know shit about anything we've got a, a youtube channel uh we we haven't got a url yet but subscribe I, you think you need a thousand subscribers so help a thousand subscribers please here's one up. here's a new one for this week bless you okay and I'm gonna just take it over here, but that was fantastic. No, no, no! I'm, you're gonna you're gonna finish it. Okay, but, yeah, you're gonna finish. It. You're gonna you're gonna beat Jordan at the end. But here, right. one more thing that's new this week. Uh huh. Well, past couple weeks is our new website is up and running. And yes. if you want to, and I'm not saying this to you directly, Joe. I'm saying this to our listeners. If you okay. want to support the Chocolate Croissants podcast financially, because it helps us to do cool things, you can go on to chocolatecroissants.com and you can buy us. A coffee. You can buy us a croissant. You can buy us a coffee or a croissant. I believe in order it's three dollars, five dollars, or the combo is seven dollars. Right. And you can leave a tip of any amount that will be sent to the Chocolate Croissant Podcast PayPal, which we will then use to fund new things within the business of Chocolate Croissants Podcast. What are some things that you would love to see happen? We're talking about releasing some merch, so we're going to produce that. We're talking about being able to buy some prizes and provide prizes for people for new contests. We are talking about upgrading our gear uh, so that we can provide better video quality. Uh, lots of Lots of different things. Uh, you know, maybe send some croissants to people all over the world. That would be awesome. You know, be I cool. do want to publicly thank because we haven't promoted this feature yet on the new website. Uh, by the way, some of the money was spent getting some new design uh, for the website and just general branding of yep. chocolate croissants. Uh, but I was kind of freaking out at uh, the Ring of Honor office a couple days ago because I got an email from PayPal and I was like, oh my God, Miles Davis just sent me some money. <laughs> But uh, apparently there is a Miles Davies uh, in the UK who did donate uh, to us. So, Miles, if you are listening, uh, thank you very much. Uh, you will always be our first. Can we pin that on a wall? Yes, we can. Okay, cool. And with okay, that, with take, that back. Take, us, take, take us out, Joe. We, what? Where from? What? Uh, what, what is so George? This is, this is where you say that episode fifty is next week, and we don't know who's going to no, be we, our guest. We do, but do, I guess do we, we do this time. We yeah. do this time. Yeah. So okay, who's our guest, Justin? I just drew a complete blank. Uh, she is a. We're we're having on uh, a dietitian who works with uh, Mike Dolce and the Dolce Diet. She's actually the head dietitian. At the company, Fuck yeah, uh, and most notably, the Dolce Diet or Mike Dolce is known for working with Ronda Rousey. There you go, WWE superstar Ronda Rousey. WWE superstar Ronda Rousey. Dude, that was the most awkward thing I've ever seen in my life. It was. It was. Maybe surprising. maybe she'll get there. Maybe very she'll get there. very awkward. I didn't see it. Uh, um, okay, so Joe, now it's your job to just simply take us out with Jordan's typical ending. If you have anything else left to say, say it. Um, Where can people follow you online? Ooh, uh, uh, ooh, uh, Prism Recordings UK dot com slash groups slash chocolate chocolate croissants. Um, I don't know. I do have a website, Prism Recordings UK dot com, uh, Facebook dot com slash Prism Recordings UK. Just fucking add me, Joe Hamilton. We'll chat. Yeah, you're Joe John Hamilton on Instagram. Correct. 
and Prism Recordings UK on Instagram and Prism Prism P R I S M yep not Prison P R I S O N recording or recordings good question pretty sure it's uh, (laughs) singular okay we can we'll post all these things yeah we'll post man Joe's got his shit together and if anyone's listening and (laughs) is interested in uh, some romantic Las Vegas music to be produced for you Joe's your man all right, take it home, my friend. All right, guys, thanks for checking us out. Uh, make sure to rate us five stars. I've done that already, so I'll just uh, nothing else to say apart from bye bye.